Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The information depicted in this podcast is purely for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional before making any changes to your lifestyle or routine. Hey everyone and welcome to the Boost Your Biology podcast. My name is Lucas and I'm the founder of Ergogenic Health. Together in this podcast series, we will go underground to explore cutting-edge health and human performance insights that you simply cannot search on Google to help you upgrade your existence. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Alrighty, welcome everyone to yet another episode of the Boost Your Biology podcast. Today I'm joined in with Sean Wells. Uh, the man who really pioneered a lot of the uh, outstanding ingredients in the uh, pre-workout market, energy formulations, and all that good stuff. So Sean is uh, definitely a man of inspiration for me. He's uh, definitely pioneered a lot. Um, So Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, brother. I'm uh, excited to be on. Awesome. So, Sean, do you want to give my listeners a bit of a little uh, background into, I guess, maybe your journey into becoming an ingredientologist? Uh, Man, Uh, it's been a a long journey. Uh, I've been doing supplements for about 20 years. Uh, I initially went to a business school for my undergrad, uh, Babson College. And, um, that was, uh, where I thought I'd end up is just doing business. People told me it's smart to do business. Uh, but I ended up, um, you know, I was overweight. I wasn't in shape and I ended up like working out and getting like these Iron Man magazines and muscle media and all these different magazines. And 
reading those and looking into supplements and, and hitting the weights. And, and I started changing my body and I ended up going to my uh, doctor between my uh, sophomore and junior year. And uh, he told me, he just looked at me when I said, you know, I was telling him about supplements and, and he told me, he drew out this lifeline. He said, why not be happy between here and here? And like just this random doctor uh, really changed my life path. This between 20 and 80, you know, that he wrote, like, it's kind of like there's a, there's a poem about like living your life between the dash. And that's kind of like what he said, you know, like <laughs> that you're born the year that you die. Like this, this poem says like your, your life is lived between the dash. And so this guy like really mm. just gave me the courage to just pursue this path of nutrition. So I finished up my my bachelor's in uh, in business and marketing, and then uh, and then I ended up um, getting my master's in uh, in nutrition. But that was a, a long path, and I ended up focusing on biochemistry. And I became a biochemist, a registered dietitian, certified sports nutritionist. Uh, but I had a lot of health issues that really kind of drove me. Uh, I was, like I said, obese as a child and, and uh, I became anorexic uh, over time because, you know, I had issues with my, my body and body dysmorphia. And, uh, and then I had autoimmune issues from just pushing too hard in my life and probably not loving myself enough. And uh, I got Epstein-Barr virus, Hashimoto's, um, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia. And then later on, I got a uh, pituitary adenoma, brain tumor. All of this stuff like made me focus on the ways I could fix myself. And so that became a huge focus for me and, and why I started looking into supplements. And, you know, at the time, like supplements were more magic bullets. And, and for me, that was like the, the mode I could, could go down, like, you know, plant medicine, biohacking and meditation and breath work and all that stuff really weren't a thing back then. Like all the magazines I was reading, all the stores that I would walk in was with supplements that was the growth of supplements when i started you know coming up so that's where i put my faith right so sean i guess there's a lot to unpack there but i really wanted to yeah discuss a lot on um some of the the novel ingredients that you've really um you know brought to market and in fact a lot of them i've personally experimented with and and blown away by and that let, let's sort of start out with that the first one which is which is tea cream. So you want to give my listeners a bit of a, a background into tea cream. Yeah. So tea cream, uh, is a methylxanthine. It's in the caffeine family. Uh, and really there's, you know, we knew about theophylline, we knew about theobromine. Uh, those have been used, uh, in supplements or in bronchodilator medication. Uh, but some of the other ones hadn't been used, theocrine, libreen, methylibreen. And uh, I was reading some research and working on coming out with this compound. And I ended up uh, having a random call with a fellow ISSNer, uh, Hector Lopez, Dr. Hector Lopez, and Dr. Tim Ziegenfuss. And uh, we started talking about this ingredient, theocrine. 
And we said, what, you know, what if we come out with this? And they knew I had like really great connections in China with my partners. Um, and so they had tried working on it themselves and they were coming up with, you know, a price of like $20,000 a kilo. And it just, for that price, it isn't feasible. Mm. Um, but I came up with a price around 2000 and we ended up like refining our process and, and getting that price further down to where it was feasible to come out on the market. But theocrine um, is more a longer acting like half-life than, than caffeine. Uh, dynamine, which is methylibrine, is more similar to caffeine, more quick acting. Um, so those two ingredients have been just incredible. They've, they've been in almost everything like pre-workouts, energy drinks, fat burners, nootropic products. Um, and dynamine, like I said, uh, you know, is, is going to be faster acting. So it's, it's getting used more in pre-workouts and, you know, you're getting um, tea cream getting used more in like the nootropic fat burner um, kind of longer acting. And then people are titrating the two and like, they're obviously working synergistically and both work synergistically with caffeine as well. The great thing is the ingredients don't have the habituation, the adaptation that uh, the caffeine has. So it works the same way every single time. And with caffeine, you have that diminishing returns of adaptation uh, where it doesn't work as well. And where people say like, literally like, uh, I need my, co uh, my coffee to get going, you know, they're right. Like their brain isn't functioning as well. Like there's been studies that show like after so many days of caffeine use, you need that level of caffeine just to get to baseline. So you're not going above and beyond you're getting to baseline, meaning typically you're functioning suboptimally. So that's the nice thing about, um, tea cream and dynamine is you're not, you're not in that suboptimal state. Um, mm. You're in a, a better state. So um, uh. you're, you're going above and beyond. And, and that's what's great. So and those ingredients, like I said, are in over 500 products. We have over 10 studies between them. They're both grass, meaning generally recognized as safe and occur naturally. So mm. uh, really great stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've personally experimented with, with all of them. Um, and I remember the very first day that I, that I read about tea cream, I was really enthusiastic and I, I wanted to, I think in fact, in the early days, I was one of the first to actually implement it in a nootropic product in Australia because it was a long time ago and I, I founded, you know, I read some studies and I was impressed and I was like, you know, it'd be worthwhile considering this as an, as a constituent in my nootropic formula. And I really think that was like the, the heavy hitter that sort of extended the nootropic effects of the, um, of the entire product. So definitely, definitely a huge fan of, of tea cream. And Sean, I want to sort of understand a bit more about how you go about, uh, I guess, do you spend much time actually researching novel compounds and things like that? I do. I spend several hours a day doing that. Um, you know, probably, yeah, two to three hours a day just looking at research um, and mm. looking for, you know, certain pathways I want to exploit 
or certain compounds um, coming from some of the herbs I have access to. You know, there's a variety of ways I might, uh, you know, come upon this. Or, you know, I, I might look at a medication like or, um, you know, that's that's successful or uh, a pathway that that, uh, you know, a lot of research is going into. Um, and that's uh, definitely something that I would do. And then that just leads me down the rabbit hole. So, Sean, you just you just briefly mentioned you, you look at some medications, and I know one of them, which I, I think you may have modelled or you know used as a basis, is metformin. So, I guess that's a good opportunity for us to segue into um, this particular berberine derivative. So, do you want to enlighten my listeners on this DHB? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, berberine is, is something I had done some considerable research in and be, become a huge fan of first. Uh, I formulated a product IC5 for BioTrust. Uh, I had five different compounds, kind of five mechanisms of action, but berberine is the one that blew me away. Like I did a, uh, a carbohydrate challenge when I was uh, in, in keto and, um, you know, one week I did one, uh, with the carbohydrate challenge uh, and berberine and one with nothing and, and the carbohydrate challenge. And my challenge was, uh, I think, five double stuffed Oreos, two frosted Pop-Tarts. And my baseline blood glucose was around uh, 65. And uh, within two hours without taking the berberine, I was at 199. Wow. Uh, which is insane. <laughs> uh, but also, you know, being keto, you're, if you're strict keto, you're potentially a, a little bit uh, insulin resistant. Mm. So um, that can happen if, if you're not metabolically flexible, so to speak. Mm. Uh, but I tried it uh, a week later, and this is crazy. Like, um, you know, again, I was at the same number, about 65, 70. And I never got above uh, 100. And one, at one hour, I was coming back down. And I was like, this stuff is the real deal. Mm. And I already knew from a lot of my anti-aging research that everyone loved metformin and all these anti-aging circles. And if you know anything about advanced glycation end products and glycation's role in inflammation and oxidation, and spinning out of mitochondrial dysfunction and just all these pieces with search twin genes and telomere length. And there's just, if you can control that, if you can lower um, hemoglobin A1C, you can take a big crack at inflammation, oxidation, and, and mitochondrial dysfunction and aging in general. And if this data is, is, you know, you can extrapolate the data out from metformin it's about two, two and a half years of life that it can add to your, to your life. So, you know, berberine in a study was shown head to head to be as good as and potentially outperform in some category uh, metformin. And metformin recently has been shown, one, to lower B12, uh, and two, had been painted and involved in a recall. So, I mean, berberine you know, gets the nod every time for me. The problem with berberine, and this is similar to metformin, is you get some GI distress. 
and at least a third of people just experience this regardless. And then, um, you know, berberine, you just have to take higher doses, you know, five, six, seven hundred milligrams three times a day with each meal. And the solution here was dihydroberberine is the active metabolite that berberine converts into across that brush border in the, in the intestine uh, when it's being taken up. And eventually that dihydroberberine converts back to berberine in the plasma. But what's amazing here is dihydroberberine is about five times more bioavailable. So you can lower the dose pretty dramatically. And then uh, on top of that, you're bypassing that, that GI distress that, that comes up. So it's, it's a, you know, it's a win-win. And we're seeing doses, you know, 150 milligrams twice a day having um, as good, if not better effects than the 500 milligrams three times a day. So, so you really can take like two small pills instead of six large capsules a day. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah. When I, when I learned about the dihydroberberine, I think it was on the price plow uh, interview you did, uh, which was awesome. Uh, and they were discussing, you know, the opportunity for formulators to reduce the dosage, you know, to, to pack it into various GDAs. Um, so that was already that caught my attention, which was, you know, quite unique. And I know that bioavailability is always, it's often an issue, right, with with a lot of the compounds that you pioneer or or hunt down. Like, so what what is it about? So I guess maybe in terms of like bioavailability, um, what is it about that dihydroberberine that makes it, you know, ability, you said that it gets re regenerated back into berberine in the plasma. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just it literally berberine has to convert to this dihydroberberine, uh, which just has um, some extra uh, H's if you will, um, like across that, that lining of the gut. And then, and then those are removed and, and it's gone back to uh, berberine uh, in the plasma. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. And, and this happens a lot in the body with molecules. There's actually a form uh, called tetrahydroberberine too. Uh, but really everything has to convert, um, back to this dihydroberberine really to optimally get across the gut. So, um, you're not having to go through that process of, of pulling water and and getting the GI distress to to make this uh, compound uh, to make it bioavailable. So it's in its active form. It easily crosses the gut, doesn't need conversion, and then will turn into plasma berberine. And we're doing a study right now that shows that like berberine and dihydroberberine head to head with like area under the curve and plasma levels of berberine. So cool. uh, that'll be coming out soon. Oh, that's exciting. I look forward to, yeah, I'll, sh- I'll be look. I'll be sharing that to my listeners. Cause I've obviously I've got the Glucovantage, um, the standalone on my website. So for those listening in that want to actually experiment with DHB, definitely check that out on my site. Cause it's a, it's a very novel, uh, ingredient and I'm, I'm super impressed by it. So Sean, let's sort of, um, transition over into the next compound L Baber. Yeah. 
Yeah, that one's really exciting. Like, you know, this is one of those ones where, you know, people, you know, talk about the holy grail of, you know, exercise. And you've heard that with, you know, beta alanine and creatine and all those things. But honestly, like beta alanine and creatine can't hold a candle to beta. <laughs> uh, beta is actually the signal for intense exercise. When you're exercising intensely, L-beta levels go up in the plasma. And you're, it tells your body to turn on all of these different things, 100 different things. You think about all the things associated with exercise, with you know, increased BDNF, like neuroplasticity in your brain. You're able to learn better and, and take on new tasks, uh, improve VO2 max and, and various cardiovascular functions. Improved like immune system and, and recovery, uh, you know, improved uh, body composition changes and, and elevations in AMP K, changes in bone mineral density, um, changes in, in muscle mass, strength and power. Like all these changes that happen with intense exercise are signaled from LBABA and then so many other like mechanisms just like start. You know, and it's really incredible um, everything that we're seeing associated with, with L-Beba makes this truly exciting. Um, and I could say that it's literally an exercise mimetic and, it, and you can get some of these benefits just sitting on the couch. But, you know, FDA-wise, they're not a big fan of that. So, uh, you know, they always want to say, like, with good diet and exercise. So... We're going to market it as an exercise amplifier awesome. to get more reps and, and more steps out of every, you know, exercise. Mm. And you actually catabolize uh, the BCAA uh, pool from the muscle. Uh, this is taken from L-valine, and it makes L-beba. And interestingly, I don't know this for sure, but L-beba is very chemically similar to beta-alanine. And one of the, after I, I, I haven't shown this and no data I've seen has shown this, but I'm just guessing this is like the way the body would work. This makes a lot of sense. Is that after that signal goes out, that substrate is used for something and converted into something. And my guess is it would either be converted back to, to valine, back to the muscle, or it would get converted to beta alanine. Mm, right. Okay. So with um, with L beta, um, Sean. So I also read that it had some interactions with. Uh, is it brown fat influencing the that brown adipose tissue as well? Exactly. Exactly. It does. And and I love mitochondrial health. And brown adipose yeah. tissue has been a big area of my research. Uh, the reason brown adipose tissue is brown is because it's so mitochondrial dense. Uh, and it's really fascinating. This tissue, like you only have maybe about six ounces of brown adipose tissue on you. And it's mostly uh, here around, um, uh, around your, your, your neck. And um, What's fascinating about it is like we thought that it was just for like mice and we thought it was for babies like when they you know lack the ability to shiver in that first six months is like how they can create thermogenesis heat, uh, really good body heat to survive. 
But what's interesting is we're now seeing it may be like that, that, you know, great equalizer and like why some people stay lean and others don't. They may have one more brown adipose tissue cells, adipocytes, and two, it may be more active. We found that in some people, it's more active than others. And that could be people that are exposed to the cold more often, mm. um, or just are people that seem to run hot, you know, like have a higher body temperature, even like a half a degree could, you know, make a massive difference in just uh, caloric expenditure. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. Beba does affect brown adipose tissue, uh, does upregulate it. And then uh, there is a compound that I've worked with uh, that we have as well um, called Grains of Paradise. Yeah. And, um, and has um, a compound, 6-paradoxine. Uh, um, and, uh, and the compound um, has been shown in particular, really, that there's four compounds that are present in, uh, in Grains of Paradise extract. But this one in particular has been shown to, again, increase the uh, output from brown adipose tissue. And uh, I want to say, like, the caloric expenditure just from 30 milligrams in one study, 40 milligrams in another, just once a day, was something in the order of, like, 120 calories to 150 calories. That's insane. This is not a stimulant. It's not anything. And so studies haven't been done at 80 milligrams or twice a day or three times a day. And so what does this ingredient do if you, you know, take it consistently? And the way in Grains of Paradise does seem to work on this vanillin receptor, which is very similar to how um, um, capsaicin works as well, like Capsamax. Um, I just think the dose is so concentrated and it, and it doesn't, it's not as potent in terms of its uh, spiciness because uh, it is kind of a ginger-like uh, flavor. Uh, it's actually been used in, um, in beer, like Sam Adams, and like it's used as a spice, like to, to add flavor to dishes. So um, pretty cool stuff. So yeah, like a lot of really cool ingredients for sure. It's stuff that I'm very, very excited there's actually, uh, I don't know if you know about ergothionine, speaking of mitochondrial health, but do you know about ergothionine yet? Uh, as in, is it, is it a uh, metabolite in like the citric acid cycle or something somewhere along the line? No, no, no. So uh, ergothionine uh, is, is uh, we have it um, uh, through NNB as uh, mitoprime. Uh, oh, okay. uh does is in very small amounts you can find it in mushrooms right and we're finding it's amino acid and we're finding that just five to ten milligrams is the efficacious dose so super small amount of of a uh of an amino acid but what's fascinating here is it's an antioxidant that really trumps all antioxidants because it works at the mitochondrial level. And, you know, a lot of cellular antioxidants, um, we don't see the results that, that we've wanted to see, like, you know, in terms of performance and anti-aging. And, you know, sometimes 
antioxidants may hinder gains, right? You've heard about that. Also, there's a threshold where an antioxidant becomes pro-oxidant. Mm. What's fascinating here, though, is this protects the mitochondria. It helps with mitochondrial um, uh, function, preventing dysfunction. Also promotes mitochondrial biogenesis, creating more mitochondria. The really fascinating part is that there is this ET1 transporter. So ergothionine has its own transporter system wow. in the body. Wow. And therefore, it's being researched that maybe this should be a vitamin, and there is, in fact, deficiencies. Even more interesting is there's storage of ergothionine in your body with this with this system so we actually store it to use it and protect ourselves so anyone who knows anything about uh me or just where anti-aging is going and performance is going mitochondrial is it yeah so uh literally cellular energy you know the mitochondrial by uh, uh you know the the powerhouse of the cell right so literally cellular energy is from the mitochondria and the, the better it's functioning, the better your cellular energy, your recovery, your longevity, your resilience, mm. your, your protection from damage, from aging, from getting hurt, from, you know, whatever it is from stress, mm. uh, all relates to the mitochondria. So, um, that one's super exciting as well. Ergothionine. That's one to look for. Definitely. And, and I'm, I'm really glad that you brought up obviously the, the importance and significance of, you know, mitochondrial function. Cause it really is, it really is the way of the future in terms of not only for like energy, um, enhancing formulas, you know, you've got the standard coenzyme Q10, PQQ, Alcar, you know, I've got a whole range of mitochondrial enhance, enhances, even methylene blue as well. I've, I've played around with, which has been pretty cool. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely, and even the old baby you mentioned before, like that, even that has also been shown to positively affect the mitochondrial function. So it's really cool to, I guess, um, you know, see more and more emphasis on the mitochondrial function. And, you know, when we look at like metformin, there's like debates around whether or not that's actually, um, you know, is it beneficial? Let, let's talk about that. So yeah, that's, yeah. the way that works is you may think that something that could hinder the function of the cell or the mitochondria could be counterproductive, but it's not. We know we go to the gym and break down our muscles and work hard and expend calories so that we adapt and grow. Mm -hmm. That idea is called hormesis in the body. And more specifically with the mitochondria, it's called mitohormesis. And at the right dose, you're promoting mitochondrial hormesis with berberine or dihydroberberine. You're taking your mitochondria to the gym. And it's great you're doing, so ergothionine is protecting it. And L-Beva and, and Grains of Paradise are promoting it. But dihydroberberine is taking it to the gym. Mm. Yeah. 
Yep. I love that. I love that analogy. Um, so Sean, just in terms of like when you, when you discover these ingredients and like, you know, you want to do extensive research on them, do you also like consider like different app, different applications in terms of like, I know this is what came to my mind this morning. I'm like, I wonder if Sean ever, whenever he finds an ingredient, does he consider using them as a patch? Does he consider using them as an eye drop? Does he, you know, I just, how creative do you want to get sometimes? You know, it's funny you bring that up because actually there is research with dihydroberberine uh, when used transdermally uh, is 30x better than berberine. And whether that would have some localized impact could be very interesting. Let's say for me, um, you know, for, for whatever reason, I grew up uh, with that gynoid fat distribution versus android. So I have kind of the big thighs. That's where I put fat, typically where girls put fat. Uh, you know, guys tend to have it viscerally, like the, the android fat distribution. Um, now, maybe, you know, I could put this on, you know, transdermally and not only get systemic benefits, clearly that's been shown at 30x, you know, plasma levels, but maybe there would be enhanced uh, localized benefits if I rubbed it on my, you know, thighs and, you know, mm-hmm. you, know you rub it on, you know, your, your six pack or whatever, that'd be interesting to find out. I, I think about that stuff all the time. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's carriers like DMSO that you can, you know, use and you have to take care when you, when you do some of these things, when you do intranasal, when you do uh, <laughs> anal, when you do uh, transdermal, like you're bypassing the liver. Yeah. And the liver is kind of like the, the great detoxifier and kind of regulator. And yes, you know, you can have, you know, more bioavailability, more, more bang for your buck. But like, for example, like, you know, these guys that, uh, you know, do alcohol uh, anally, I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but like uh, it happens in some of these college fraternities and whatever. And they go from zero to drunk to dead very quickly because the liver is not involved. So, I mean, you have to be careful with, with just bypassing the liver with any of these methods is you, you just have to know what you're doing. And I would, I would take great care. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, especially if it's anything that can involve side effects, like, you know, Typically, I don't get hypoglycemic from berberine, uh, but I've had maybe like one out of 25 or so do, and I don't know why. I don't know why. Like they get, some people get just nauseous and and like bottom out, but like the majority of people don't. And and I just, I don't have an answer for why that happens or, or how that happens, but um but that is interesting. So like, obviously like for those people, if they were to experiment transdermally, maybe, maybe it could be bad. So yeah. I don't know. Like I always feel safer going that, that oral route. Yeah. Uh, and the FDA does as well. So um, that's what I tend to do. Of course. Of course. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, I'm, I'm the same as you there when I, when I'm looking up, you know, novel, flavonoids and constituents like for example there is one that i think i'd love to share with you i don't know if you've heard about it's um hedera genin um it's yes. it's a particular 
It, yeah, in terms of its psychoactive um, properties. Yeah, you like it. I personally haven't. I haven't been able to, you know, yeah, you know, find a reliable vendor or like source it because it's very, it's very difficult and delicate. I know, like even its um, reuptake inhibition properties are, are super potent. So I got to sort of, yeah, again, you have to know what you're doing in terms of dosages and converting rat dosages to human dosages and stuff. Well, send me that information. Um, I, I think I already know what you're talking about. I'm about 90% sure. But, uh, but send me that information and yeah. we can make it happen. Yeah, and the other thing is I had a chat with um, Gorilla Chemist. I mean, I'm sharing compounds with him all the time. Yeah. Like we go back and forth and, um, you know, I shared in one study where that lion's mane was equally as effective as a particular uh, psalm. I think it was um, Osterine or something like that. Or no, sorry, it was a, a different sort of... Um, aerobic GW fifty fifty six anything five one five six yeah whatever it is yeah I know yeah <laughs> um, that's but, an exercise uh, we make yeah yeah the other thing is Sean like I mean I, I'm again like I'm I'm well, I'm very similar to you and I've always, I've got a whole Excel sheet literally thousands of different things that I've just like hydrogenin um, amentoflavone you know that's another yeah, one that's, I, I've worked on that one before yeah. I sort of don't know where that one went. I mean, it came in the spotlight and now it's just disappeared. So what's happened with that? Um, I, you know, there's always compliance issues and, and there's sometimes risks with, with some of these things that, um, but especially once it gets on the FDA radar, like, you know, these things go away. Like uh, a lot of these, you know, stimulants that kind of like came after DMAA also like got on the FDA radar and um, quite frankly, sometimes things are too effective, too experiential. Uh, I've worked with a number of compounds that I've had that are like that, that are actually just too effective. And I know that's frustrating to hear, but like when something is too effective, the abuse potential is also high. And I worry about... I worry about someone hurting themselves, you know, like, so I, it's, there's some things that I could have released that are really, really amazing. Uh, but to be honest, like there's, you know, there's a dark potential with it too. That worries me that I just don't want to, you know, put that level of risk out there. Yeah, of course. So Sean, do you want to sort of mention, I know you've got 10, I think roughly 10 patents already, in, you know, in the pipeline, you got, you got some more up and coming. Are you able to sort of share maybe the ones that are related to mitochondrial function? You, you may have hinted at. Um, yes. Well, there's, there are ones, let me think with first off, like T cream and dynamine have actually been shown, uh, to, um, have an effect on the NAD to NADH ratio. Uh, that's something that we, we've worked on. Um, but also, um, Beba uh, is one that several, yeah, there's there's a lot of work going on there, um, for sure. And um, ergothionine as well. Ergothionine as well. Um, again, like it's on that, you know, biogenesis, protection, um, mitochondrial respiration kind of level, uh, which, which equals just ATP production. Yeah. Um, so 
with mitochondrial dysfunction, which is a result of like metabolic dysfunction and which leads to faster uh, biological aging and, and really almost all disease states like are a result of, of metabolic dysfunction and metabolic syndrome and all these things like insulin resistance and inflammation and oxidation and again just heading down that path mitochondrial dysfunction is really at the root of that and so anything that we can do <clears throat> to protect those mitochondria and increase the number of mitochondria with uh, mitochondrial biogenesis is going to be pro longevity uh, reduce um, uh, insulin resistance, reduce oxidation, inflammation, glycation, reduce ages, advanced glycation end products, you know. And then we are typically in the state of insufficient cellular energy, which is called ICE, like an acronym. And that is because of that mitochondrial dysfunction. That is because of the Western diet and sedentary nature. And people that eat uh, a clean, like paleo style diet or are keto or do more fasting or all the above and certainly do exercise don't have the metabolic dysfunction, the mitochondrial dysfunction that we have and are not in insufficient cellular energy states. They have sufficient cellular energy. So they don't have the chronic inflammation. They don't have the insulin resistance and glycation. They don't have the oxidation and they look better biologically. Their biological age is better than their chronological age. And you can even look at like telomere length, you know, you can test for that. Like, so like tello years and there's some other tests like probably are Ben Greenfield and Dave Asprey and some people do these tests. But I mean, the easy test is how do you look and move and feel for your age, you know, like I'm 46, I play, you know, twos sand volleyball. I'm, you know, in the gym every day, I'm, you know, doing my thing. I feel like I'm besides the white hair, <laughs> but besides that, like I'm, I think I'm in a better place than the majority of people. And I do my keto and fasting and all the things I do and take my supplements. I'm in a better place than most people biologically compared to my chronological age. And then you know, some people are like worse than their chronological age biologically. You're like, that guy's 35. Like he looks like he's 60. You know, like they have a lot of sun damage. They have like, you know, they're, they're tired and, you know, overweight and, and, you know, which is insulin resistance and, and chronic stress and, you know, they just look unhealthy and they don't function well, move well. And so all of this is really what I'm talking about is that is that mitochondrial health. Yeah, Sean, I really I really respect the fact that you're placing emphasis on the mitochondrial function because yeah, I guess like you know, the things you the things you mentioned, you know, fasting, keto, um, sauna usage, like exercise, all these things do help with that mitochondrial biogenesis and, you know, help to minimize oxidative damage and, as you mentioned, that mitohormesis, which is a really cool term. But I wanted to I sort of, um, you know, bring up a point of, of preventative use of GDAs. I mean, that's something that, like, regardless of if you, even if you're, you're not diabetic, um, 
I, I definitely see a time and a very intelligent use of these GDAs, such as dihydroberberine, as sort of a... I know it's, we can't really say preventative for diabetes because of you know the, the rules and FDA and all that, but they really they really can be beneficial for the somebody who thinks that they're you know they're quite healthy, but underlying they may have you know insulin resistance slowly creeping in. Yeah, that's that would be called like glucose intolerance is kind of that um, uh, that phase ahead of you know the disease state of of type two diabetes, insulin resistance, um, you're, you're just glucose intolerant and, and that's so many people. And that's why I talk about all the time that we could radically change healthcare. If we just did three tests, three blood tests, like that are so simple and probably a hundred or 200 bucks total. And if we were doing those once or twice a year, we could look at our risk for all disease. We could look at, our biological age versus our chronological age. If we were looking at hemoglobin A1C as a longer-term indicator of glycation slash blood sugar, blood glucose, because blood glucose is just too transient up and down, obviously. Uh, And uh, CRP for C-reactive protein for inflammation. And then oxidative LDL as a measure of oxidation. And then you've got that um trifecta uh really like the mitochondrial dysfunction i don't have like a great blood test for mitochondrial function but i can show you what mitochondrial dysfunction leads to and these markers would show that and we could create like your your biological age or your disease risk of with metabolic dysfunction um you know, by having these, but unfortunately we're looking at um, CRP after you've had a heart attack. We're looking at uh, hemoglobin A1C after you're diabetic. We're looking at oxidative LDL, like, you know, too far down the road of, of disease pathology and progression. So that's, that's the problem. We're not using these to be proactive we're, we're using them in a very reactive way. And of course that's, you know, you can just discuss how that's Western medicine right there, but that's the way it is. Yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me, Sean, if, if various compounds that we just discussed, like the Elbaba, like the dihydroberberine, it wouldn't surprise me if they directly even affect CRP or, or, um, or you know, we don't have research on it, but my suspicion is there's a good chance it will. Like it's a good, there's a good chance they're going to help with those there, markers. There is data with dyslipidemia and inflammation with berberine and it does positively affect them. So yes, um, it has been shown. Yeah. Awesome. So in terms of like, yeah, I want to know more about like what you do in terms of like structuring out maybe your, hmm, your research and like where, where you're spending most of your time now, like what you see sort of, the future. I know you mentioned mitochondrial health is an area that you're really passionate about at the moment, but where do you sort of see that heading? Really like longevity is, is my number one focus uh, because a lot of like my sports nutrition ideas or, or things that I would employ clinically uh, when I worked as a chief clinical dietitian 
came from the idea of longevity and what was being done in these longevity worlds. And like, I've been seeing guys for over 20 years, look at hemoglobin A1C and look at CRP as like hallmarks. And, and they're literally like, these guys are just adding supplements and seeing how it affects each one, like day to day, like, you know, they're doing like tons of work. Longevity, like whatever you're doing to impact longevity that can add years to your life, in the prime of your life can improve quality of life. That's how I look at it. It's not just adding years to your life, but life to your years. So that's what I'm looking at is really impacting quality of life. I would say the other thing besides longevity for me uh, of late is like brain health and mental health wellness. Um, you know, like looking at things like traumatic brain injury, which is acute insulin resistance, by the way, and Alzheimer's is, is longer-term insulin resistance, type 3 diabetes. Um, but really understanding, um, you know, really protecting the brain, you know, increasing things like BDNF, NGF, um, all those things, and, and helping our brain be more resilient. Um, and, you know, I think I've struggled with, depression and, and, you know, even suicidal thoughts and, and some things in the past. And, and I have a heart for um, mental health and wellness. And so I think not only am I a cerebral guy that, you know, wants to maximize my brain function, but I'm also someone that's struggled as well. And I care about that. So it's just, it's, you know, I tend to research the things that I'm passionate about, and that's what it's going to be. I want to, like, take every single thing that I'm researching. That's where I'm going to stay passionate, and that's where I'm going to research. I'm not going to research things that could be a cash grab that don't align with me or aren't my passions. It just doesn't make sense for me. And I think that's why I've been successful is – is just I've been you know staying on that path of these are the things that excite me and I want to use. So yeah, yeah. I mean that 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 mindset there is incredibly inspiring for me, Sean. Because I mean what you just said there is literally, I literally feel like I'm the exact same person as you in that regard. Because like I'm I'm literally I've set up PubMed notifications every day. First thing I do is check my Gmail, have a look at the list of new like keywords that I've saved and I'm like what am I going to find today you know and then I just add it to the list and then I'm like all right now it's a matter of sourcing it let's experiment you know <laughs> it's just it's a fun it is a it is a fun process you know um just one one other question Sean in regards to um <clears throat> yeah I'm sure you've faced this many times when you've when you've discovered an ingredient how far away do you want to isolate it from the whole herb you know like when you've that's a great that's a great question um because you know obviously with pharmaceutical drugs you want it fully isolated so you can patent it and it's just that pure compound and you have the the assurance that it is pure that there isn't like an x factor of some other compounds like think of the entourage effect with some of these other cannabinoids you know the level of cbd but you don't get told the level of all the other things, the, the cannabinoids, the flavonoids, uh, the terpenes. You don't know those levels. So, therefore, 
you could have a completely different response um, you know, from time to time. You don't know what your response is going to be from lot to lot. And when you have just a pure compound, you have the assurance that it's going to work that way every time. But nature is interesting. and provides uh, compounds that, um, that work together in synergy. So, like, for example, like a simple one for me to tell you is like green tea. So caffeine is there, right? We know that's a psychostimulant. But it also has L-theanine. And that's been shown to be synergistic with caffeine and kind of puts you in a more focused, like smoothing out the caffeine kind of mode. But it also has EGCG as polyphenol and enhances cerebral uh, blood flow and, you know, reduces uh, blood glucose and, and, you know, all these things that it does. Polyphenols are amazing. So, you know, the net effect a green tea is very different than taking some caffeine itself. And it's, and it's so often that I see that, that, you know, mother nature is the greatest formulator. And sometimes when we're, you know, isolating these compounds, we're losing some of the benefits um, for sure. So that's, yeah, that's, it's an interesting uh, question and something I look at quite a bit. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. I'm, I'm always challenging that as well. I mean, because I'm completing off my naturopathy degree. My dad's a pharmacist, so I'm sort of, I'm, I'm in the middle of, of both of both sides. So it's, um, yeah. I mean, there, there's there's definitely a time and place for isolation. There's definitely a time and place for whole herb. And like, um, you know, how how do we know whether it's forty percent, you know, standardized to thirty percent, standardized to twenty? You know, it's just a matter of, I guess, like. Um, testing it out and you know trialing it on rats and things like that. So, Sean, I think we're um, we're de- we're running to the we're running to the end of uh, the podcast. But what I'll do is I'm gonna I'll just cancel off the IGTV. Um, I'll, but I wanted to just yeah obviously wrap up and just say um, massive thanks for for coming on the show. You've you, you have no idea how passionate and inspired you you've made me with with tea cream like. Just even having the ability to chat with you right now, the, the somebody who's pioneered that is incredibly inspiring. And like, honestly, like I wake up every day hoping to discover something like that. Like I say that, I say that with my to my audience all the time. That you know, I hope to, I hope the one day I can do something like that and really pioneer. And like you, just you will, you will. I mean, you know, maybe I've been called like the LeBron James of. Uh, of- of formulation and, and ingredients, but you know, like there's, there's the Zion and there's the, you know, these young guns that are coming out like uh, Luka Doncic, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever. And it's like, these guys are, are the next guys. And you know, that's what, that excites me. It kind of, kind of keeps like, you know, the old guy, like, you know, keeping going, like, and keeps my fires going that like people like you are like so passionate. And so I try and put passionate people around me and that excites me. So, you know, whatever I can do to help you, you know, let me know. That sounds awesome, man. Well, um, we'll wrap it up there. I'm going to shut off the IGTV, but thanks again, Sean. For, for those listening in, um, where can they, where can they find you and your, your website and other, your other socials and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously uh, there's uh, ingredientologists here on Instagram 
And all my other handles are ingredientologist as well. And then seanwells.com, S-H-A-W-N-W-E-L-L-S. And I have like tons of guides on there, free guides that go through vitamin C, vitamin D3, uh, mushrooms, zinc, keto, um, fasting, fasting for women, uh, just tons of topics. I'm going through sugar right now. A lot of cool stuff. Uh, so check that out. And if you want to know more about a lot of the ingredients I'm working on, uh, go to NNB Nutrition, NND, like Nancy, Nancy Bravo uh, Nutrition. So, um, yeah, check that out. And uh, and Price Plow, like, you know, features a lot of the stuff I'm doing quite a bit as well. So a lot of places to find me. Awesome. Thanks so much, Sean. I'll just wrap this up. Thanks. Thank you, everyone, for joining in to today's episode. For in-depth show notes and lessons learned, visit nofilter.media forward slash boost your biology. This has been a No Filter Media production. Say what you want. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.